All right, so we're recording? Yep. All right, welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. A little bit of a different episode today, uh, separated over Zoom. Good practice, though, I got to say. But we got an interesting topic to talk about today. First, we're going to get into a little cock and yummy offer sheet nonsense, Dvorak going to Montreal. And then we're going to get into best and worst value contracts in the league. As always, joined by Josh and Jason this week. How are you guys doing? Doing Good. great. Great episode last week. Wish I could have chimed in on a couple of those topics, but you guys did a really good job. Um, and we got more to talk about on the similar topic from last week, which is the Kanyemi offer sheet. So I'm excited to give a couple points that I didn't give last week. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was kind of fun, just me and Joe last week, but we're, we're happy to have you <laughs> oh, back thanks. here. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Josh, you want to start it off? Your thoughts on everything and what a little bit of what transpired? Yeah, um, I don't want to rehash some of the stuff you guys said. It was you guys kind of covered most of it. Like it was looked like an emotional decision that probably came from ownership, prop possibly. Which hey, if you own the team, you can like pretty much do whatever you want. So I just think they did like the opposite of what Montreal did. Like Montreal actually helped Carolina, and they're taking it as if it was like the most bananas thing that's been done in the NHL is that they offer sheet to one of their players. Like they helped Carolina, which you guys said last week. Like. That offer sheet actually was probably the best thing to happen to Carolina in that negotiation. Like, I don't think he would have made any less than that with Carolina. I don't see how he would have, especially that was the summer where all the guys were making nine, 10 million, not like yeah. now where these guys are making a little less. So I guess they still took it very personally, but again, they like, instead of, you know, helping Montreal with an offer sheet as Montreal did for Carolina, they like, it, they made it easy for Montreal. There's no, I thought there was no way Montreal was matching that offer sheet. When you take into account the future qualifying offers and like what the next contract would have looked at would have looked like based on that six point one million dollar number for this year, it made no sense to re-sign them. Honestly, you take your first and your third, and you go. I think Carolina made a massive mistake. Honestly, I think especially when you take it into context with the other stuff they've done this off season, they've had one of the worst off seasons of any team. I think honestly. Like it's been inefficient, terribly sure. inefficient. I, I, when you guys were talking about contenders and pretenders last week, you did a great job of that. I think Jason brought up Carolina as a pretender. I'm shocked. You didn't mention the goalies for me. That is the biggest positional downgrade on that team. Last year, they were third in the league in save or third in goal top. What they were top five in save percentage and goals against. I don't have it in front of me, but I looked last week. They're not going to be top five in save percentage this year with Anderson and anti Ranta. They're not unless there's some, some crazy year comes from one of those guys. I think that's a, yeah. clear downgrade in net. They also got older. You signed a 31 and a 32-year-old goal. You had a cost-controlled RFA, Alex Nedeljkovic, who only ended up making $3 million. I don't understand what they did in net. Couple that with only offering Dougie Hamilton $6.5 million, the Tory Krug contract, but you're okay with giving Kotkaniemi 6.1, who, no offense, I think he's a nice player, but we've talked about him a lot on this podcast because of the playoffs. Like He hasn't even come close to reaching his potential, and he's kind of like, looking like probably he's not at that elite level center that people thought. And on top of all that, they're playing him on the wing now, they're saying. So I do not understand this at all. That was my rant on it. Like, I don't get it. Even when they did it, it was pure spite. Like, I get it. You yeah. want to be spiteful. But again, they helped you with that Aho offer sheet. That was like the most obvious matched offer sheet in the history of the NHL. Yeah, I, I think that maybe Carolina felt a little hurt by the offer sheet because they, they, they were forced to sign Aho to only five years, maybe. Maybe they felt they couldn't get the term that they wanted, but that was the only like I agree with you. I think it helped them out a lot in that uh, in that negotiation. And you're right; they spent combined on uh, their goalies and 
Kakanyemi, they spent combined, I think, $13 million. You could have easily like kept Nedeljkovic, kept Dougie Hamilton with that kind of money. Obviously, you wouldn't be in as good goalie situation. It's not not a great goalie situation right now, but I'd I'd rather bet on Nedeljkovic and keep Dougie Hamilton than kind of go go this route that they've taken. So it's it's a little it's it's interesting what they did. It's they're 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 looking yeah. like pretenders. W- were you guys shocked that Montreal didn't match it? No, not at all. No, I because I I saw someone say. And started to jump in there, but I, was, I saw someone say, "Oh, and then next year they're going to sign him to an extension, four years, um, four years, like five mil per whatever." It's like, okay, but like he's not going to get the most opportunity this year. He's not guaranteed to put up sixty, fifty points, kind of thing. Like, what if he puts up another thirty point season? Then you have to qualify him at six point. They probably won't qualify him in that situation. And then you just lose him, yeah, for yeah. nothing, unless yeah. you can somehow then like get an extension before that but then but why would the player do exactly that? that's like, the point right joe why would kakanyemi sign an extension if he knows his next qualifying offer is 6.1 million there's no way he signs an extension so like you uh, you're right on the money sorry to interrupt continue and also when you, you were talking about the goaltending that's a very good point it's a 31 year old and a 32 year old both coming off injury years both coming off down years like if you're they were good goaltenders that were very good goaltenders at one time however now when you look at it it's like how much more likely is it that a a guy in his 30s coming off of injuries makes that bounce back? It, it, it's tough. I don't know. And honestly, given... Still a decent team. But also, still a decent give, team, given, the, given the injury history of those goalies as well, you almost need both of them to bounce back because you really can't rely on either of them to carry a full workload right now, I don't think. Yeah, it's kind of funny that they've got two injury-ish kind of goaltenders there. I mean... We all know too well with Frederick Anderson. He's been like he played a lot of games over his span with spurt with Toronto, but like he did deal with injuries. Even in the years he didn't miss that many games, he was still like battling through injuries, it seemed like through all of it. So we'll see. I mean, that's a really big we'll see and a, a team that I think really could take a big step backwards, which transitioning unless you guys have anything else with this one we can transition into nope yeah i like a transition the next, the next point which is christian dvorak which interesting enough montreal decided move on from Yemi, and they went out and got christian dvorak pretty good player and the cost was a first round pick so the the higher between yeah the higher up pick between montreal and arizona as well as a second round pick in 2024 what were you guys' thoughts on that one? Quickly, it was just Carolina, not Arizona, right? It was Montreal and Carolina's picks. Yeah. Uh, between yeah. Montreal and yes, yes. Carolina's picks, correct. Yes. yes. Sorry. Yes. That yeah. made no sense. Yeah. yeah. No, correct. Between Montreal and Carolina. Because Montreal yes. has two first-round picks now, so yeah. they gave Arizona the option. You can actually get the higher one, which mm-hmm. to me, that was a heavy price to pay. I think Christian Dvorak's a pretty good player. I think he had a very down year in 2020-2021, but I think he had a really good year in 1920. So, I don't really know who the real Christian Dvorak is, but high end the opposite, but I'll look that up. Sorry? Go ahead. I'm going to I'm going to fact check that, but I believe it was the opposite. I think he played pretty well this year. No, he didn't. No. Oh. It was 1920 was his good, it's coming out party and then he kind of regressed back this yeah. year. He had a really rough year, but everyone on the Coyotes did. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say is his ceiling is like a strong defensive two center, which is what they just lost in Philip Deneau. I think people are comparing him to Philip Deneau. He's not the same type of defensive stopper as Deneau, but he also probably has a little more offensive touch. We've seen him put up uh, in the OHL a huge season. 
when they won the Memorial Cup, obviously with Mitch Marner, granted, but he was he was really good on that team. And he's uh, he's come into the league nicely, honestly. I'm not surprised Arizona got rid of him. It was kind of rumored all summer. And I'm not surprised that Montreal, knowing their GM, knowing how Mark Bergevin operates, didn't want to look like somebody got one up on them by offering one of their players. Immediately had it ready to go to, you know, this trade is right mm-hmm. right after. they. I don't know how quick it was after it was matched, like five minutes. It was, was announced he, right so after. He was scrambling. Apparently, he was scrambling all week to find a center. Um, they were talking at the draft between Arizona and Montreal regarding Christian Dvorak, but once Carolina put in that offer sheet, um, like Bergevin went into panic mode and was checking in on every single healthy, breathing centerman <laughs> in the NHL. So uh, Friedman actually did say, like an, an NHL GM told him right now, like why wouldn't you offer sheet a centerman? Like they're so valuable yeah. and they're so difficult to get. Like why not offer sheet one, right? And then further, why offer sheet one and then play him at left wing? I I don't know, but that's regardless. <laughs> um, I, I think they have an immediate upgrade at the position for sure. I think Dvorak as a player right now, even off a down year, is probably better than Kakanyemi right now. Obviously, yeah. Kakanyemi long term, you know, he could reach the ceiling, but who knows with him? Um, I think Habs fans seem happy, but they also mm-hmm. thought Kakanyemi was better than Austin Matthews at one point. So it's like. Who knows there? I think I really think Montreal is going to be a very middling team this year, though. When I look at their roster, like they got better this year, but I don't, I don't know. It's it was just it's a very odd transition of players in and out, offer sheet trade, like. And on top of all that, I think they paid a pretty heavy price for Christian Dvorak. I think Christian Dvorak's a really good player, but man, you give up that one of those first could be a top ten pick, right? And essentially, yeah. and, and it's the looking like one of the. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. The odds of one of Carolina, just the, the little kinks we're working out of work, uh, doing this mobily, but uh, the odds of one of Montreal or Carolina missing the playoffs is pretty darn good, right? Yes, so it is. Getting, it's not just a first-round pick. Like You're not getting Tampa's first-round pick. You're getting potentially a top 15 pick. Yeah, it's probably. And then a 2024 second-round pick, which who knows what's going on in 2024 for that team, right? Yeah. They and, could be awesome. They could be in the tank. Yeah, and even – this next draft coming up is looking to be a little stronger at yeah. the top than last year as well. So, I mean, yeah. I, I think Arizona, again, these are kind of, these have kind of been no brainer trades for Arizona. They have a full range to be a absolute teardown team. And I think they've done a pretty awesome job acquiring picks here. So oh, yeah. I, I really, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I understand why Montreal did it. They were again, their center depth had they lost cock and Yemi on top of already losing to Like we all like Jake Evans, but he would have been slotted in as your two C. I don't think, that anyone's comfortable with that, right? He's still a young player. Um, so I, I like the move getting Dvorak. I think they paid a pretty steep price, though. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think that a steep price, but needed. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I think this is like falls in line with their with Montreal's plan at least of to like trying to compete this year. It seems like so. I get what they why they did it, but uh, yeah, exactly. But just looking at what you were saying with Dvorak's numbers, I can see what you mean here. He he his minutes went up two minutes per game from last season to this season. His points were still thirty-one and fifty-six, seventeen goals. But from what I've read online, he did kind of play with a couple puck hogs in Phil Kessel and Clayton Keller. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do with Montreal and see if he gets those eighteen minutes a game with Montreal as well. But again. 
pretty good player, a little bit of a steep price, but it's something you needed to do. I mean, we discussed it last episode. If you lose Kakanyemi, what are you doing in that 2C spot? And a a second-line center is not the easiest thing to bring in there. But, yeah, I think we nailed that one. Other than that, there wasn't too much going on in the hockey world, really. So one last question. like, If you're Montreal, in totality of this whole situation, like if you're a fan, how are you feeling, you think? Um uneasy kind of thing it was uh like he's your third overall pick i mean when you look at teams and how they rebuild the ones that do it very very well they hit on those high picks i mean look at the leafs and you took that third overall pick you had guys like quinn hughes you had guys like brady kachuk um i mean philip zadina was there but he's still he's still taking his time getting up into the league which i mean kakanyemi should have as well and it just ends up into a, a first and a third kind of thing. Like he's he's gone and you don't get to see all of that through. So do you think they kind of did him a disservice the way they deployed him, including like scratching him in the playoffs when he was scoring goals for them? Like he wasn't playing spectacular, but he's a young player. And I, I think we talked about it during the playoffs. Like they did a poor job developing him. They really did. Um. So what they did, I feel like it wasn't just this year. It goes back to two years, his rookie season, like, he came into camp and it looked like he should have made the team. Maybe he should have been put on on the wing so that he could develop a little bit better. Like that's also a, an option. He at the sign the first sign of struggle in his rookie season, maybe he should have been sent down back down to the minors to help him development that to help him develop. That's another kind of flag there as well. In the second year, he got sent down as well. That was a big one because he played like. I want to say over a hundred games without being sent down. And then now you're sending him. like, it was very up and down. And I mean, like he, he has some things to work on, but also the Montreal Canadians, I think should have gotten a little bit ahead of those things as well. So it's, it's just kind of like shit. Like what could have been right. Yeah. You overdrafted on him too as yeah. well. Forgot to mention that. And the other thing was now that Carolina gets them, they can like hopefully rebuild him mm-hmm. and, develop him better but now they're paying him six million so like the value's gone it's just uh yeah you kind of get like you get the idea oh now we can rebuild him we can build him into the center that we that he was supposed to be but this isn't detroit this isn't a team that's still rebuilding carolina is supposed to make the playoffs this year carolina is also paying him a shit ton of money if do you think he's what he's going to be he's a 1999 born so he's going to be 22 yeah. He's going to be 22 or whatever. Yeah. Like, even though he's a 22 year old that the first sign of struggle, like, don't you think there's going to be a bit of a panic? I mean, you're paying this guy all this money. You gave up a first and a third for him. Like, I understand that they're like, Oh, don't worry, we'll take our time with this one. But I don't know. Yeah. Once, I, once, uh, yeah, exactly. In that how, position, how like, are they supposed to take their time on him when they're paying him $6 million? Right. Like, I feel like there's a kind of a narrative going around for his development that he kind of gets a fresh start there. And he'll have like they'll be pay- they'll like Carolina will be patient with him and do the right things, but I I can't imagine the pressure on him now. He I, like he's gonna have to live yeah. up to that contract now, and he's like it's gonna be like he hasn't shown that he's gonna be able to do it, so he has to now figure that out within a year, and that's like that's a tough ask for a twenty two year old. Also, again, they're like a legitimate contending team. Like just mm-hmm. think about it like this: like instead of giving a first and a third and getting Kakanyemi at six point one, why don't you just like spend on one of the free like what about taylor hall maybe yeah. he goes there for seven instead of six in boston but like 
there's a lot of guys in free agency that could have filled a winger role for yeah. you. Like, unless they think he's really like potentially a stud one C, which they almost have to. Given that obviously they have to think he is going to be a number one center. But I don't know. Very soon too. Like it was or, just a or, weird situation all yeah. around, honestly. But also, did you guys hear that Carolina tried to offer to trade yes. Kakanyemi, but their offer was less than the compensation? Correct. Huh. So then at, so. at that point, it's like, okay, offer sheet him. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I did not hear that. That's interesting. Which actually doesn't make sense. It should be more than the compensation because then you don't have to attach him to $6.1 million. Yeah. Like offer exactly. a first and a second, then sign him to a bridge for three years. Like, yeah. I don't know. That seems backwards. So if you're Carolina, would you rather have just that's traded true. a first and a second for Dvorak? <laughs> no, like, I, like actually, like I know that's kind of like a joke, but mm, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's it's this is a very <laughs> weird situation. It's like not black yeah, and white. It's at a all. contending team banking on a very young player for a lot of money. Like you don't see that too often. That's it, it's it's. It's on, it, like when I look at situations like this and when you evaluate them, I like to look back to history. Um, thanks, Zoom, for the gift, but I'm going to say no. I like to look back to history, and I mean, how many other situations are like this one? Like when you look at the offer sheets, like Edmonton offer sheeting Dustin Penner, like Edmonton was still come like on the – were they on the come up? I can't even remember. i got to look that one up now. I can't <laughs> – When they offer sheeted Penner? But – yeah. No, they were on the, the almost the down after their cup run there, right? And then it was two years after that, and they were like kind of in flux, looking for a young player, essentially. If I remember correctly. Yes, you're right. Oh seven, oh eight. They, they never made the playoffs. After yeah, that. they were oh, on right. the downturn. So, I mean, I guess Philly with Shea Weber, that's a way different offer sheet, though, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that was crazy money. It was a guy that was a was a number yeah. one. I even think Dustin Penner was way more established than Kock and Yemi when that offer He was, 29 goals. Yeah. So, so. I mean, Kock and Yemi had, what, I don't even think he had 29 points this year. No, I mean, if there's one guy to be ha- that's happy, it's Kock and Yemi, I think, is pretty happy in this situation. Because I don't know if he was that happy right. in Montreal to begin with. So. No, he wasn't. I think he wanted to trade, and the team was looking to give him a fresh start. But that's why even going uh, back to the day after the Stanley Cup final, I said, have him as like the centerpiece for a Jack Eichel trade for Montreal and push hard. Give a bunch of firsts. You have a guy who you already are not that high on. We knew they weren't that high on him. We knew that. I don't know. This situation, it's okay for them too, but I would have been really aggressive at Jack Eichel yeah. if I was Montreal. I, I wonder if this shed some light on the Jack Eichel situation as well because they did just give a first and second for Devo- like to get a centerman, right? I wonder what... What like what uh, Buffalo is asking? Because obviously, if it was anything close to that, you assume Montreal would have. No, Buffalo is asking probably for Nick Suzuki. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. I assume. Oh, yeah. I don't know though, but. Yeah. I really hope the dog barking isn't being. Uh, no, it's, hot, it's all but... good. <laughs> Anywho, moving on. Yeah, looking back at, I mean, comparing Dustin Penner, who I believe was the last successful offer sheet, to Cock and Yemi. I mean, how many like offer sheets have occurred? with a player that hasn't quite developed as they should have. Right? Yeah. No, this is a very unique situation. Very, very unique. Like, very unique. Stem very from the, the revenge card that yeah. was played. Revenge. Silly. Anyways, hope we got more of these in the that. future. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm really hoping that. Um, uh, sorry. Dog's throwing me off here. But moving on. Let's get into our list. Uh Best and worst value contracts around the league. So, who wants to go first on this one? So, are we doing? Are we going to do three rounds of this one? 
Give me one sec, guys. This is ridiculous. Okay, All okay. right, we'll, we'll take over from here. So I think we'll do three rounds. Sounds good. So like three best, three worst? Yeah. But you can say best and worst at the same time like you guys did. Okay, last. sounds okay. good. You go first, Jason. You want me to go first? Are yeah. we going to like preface anything into how yeah, we... Yeah, so I'm going to preface it. This is kind of what I said. Like, There's a lot of obvious answers to this question. Yeah. Everyone thinks Boston's big three are underpaid. They are. There's great contracts. Good. McDavid's probably a good contract. Yes. Nate McKinnon's the most obvious one. Leon Dreisaitl. I We're trying to not go for those obvious like top 10 players. Kind of more like not necessarily money in the crumbs kind of thing where you're looking at one or two million. But, you know maybe highlight an underrated player and like give credence to a GM who signed a good deal yeah. when maybe people didn't think they signed a good deal. Like when they signed McKinnon, no one was like, that was a bad contract. Like, so I'm trying to take some context into when the deals were signed as well. So exactly. that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. And maybe we all like are. Marshawn's like one of the lowest in terms of high level points, guys, he has one of the lowest, uh, I think it's dollars per point, but it's like at the time of the contract, it's like, Oh, he's a little bit old. It's a lot of money. He's just coming off his first 60-point season, 37 goals. So it was like it wasn't the, the home run. Like David Pasternak at the time was a home run. Yeah. It wasn't like that for Marshawn, I don't believe. It's also like hard to right. look at a contract now. It's like six years later. And like obviously a lot of the contracts from six years ago are a value now that the cap's gone up like yeah. five to ten million since yeah. then. So, yeah, that's how. So I, I kind of tried to slanted more to some more recent contracts but i don't know how you did it but that's how i looked at it we'll see what you guys do yeah sounds good um and so i'm gonna start um so my first value contract is gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna start with first of the with my valuable one and that's gonna be nikolai ehlers of the winnipeg jets um he signed it for six million dollars for another four years uh including this year so that's that's a, that's a steal of a contract right there nikolai ehlers kind of had his coming out party this year um, he was like among the highest at uh, even strength offensive production uh, in, in, in GAR, like his GAR. Uh, his, his advanced metrics are very, very nice. He's one of the most elite uh, offensive players in the NHL. He's a great power play player. And yeah, there's what what hasn't been said about Nikolai Ehlers like this year. Everything's kind of been said. He's a fantastic, fantastic offensive player on that offensive powerhouse of a team, the Winnipeg Jets. And yeah, six, $6 million over the next four years is an absolute steal. Yeah, I agree. My only critique again, I'm going to, you know me, I'm very critical of you, sir. Yeah. Um, that contract was almost like a, it, it was a, like, that was just what he had to make like six mil four years ago. Yeah. So like, that's one of those ones, of course, like no one's surprised five years from now that that's a value deal, but I will give you this. A lot of people were bagging on him early yeah. on in that deal. Not a 200 foot player, kind of had a bad playoffs. Sounds familiar. Um, playoffs was huge. But and I, since then, I mean, the big thing for him was almost like playing time and opportunity. Yeah. Once they really had him on the first power play, playing a little more minutes, he took off. He's, I think he is the best forward on the Winnipeg Jets. I've said that a couple times. Um, uh, he's a great pick. Six million for a couple more years. That's that's a steal. Uh, I'm going to go with another end. Throw, so my, Wait, uh, let, let Joe talk either. So what do you oh, got sorry, for sorry. Ehlers, Joe? Yeah, so in terms of Nikolai Ehlers, I mean, again, not the best playoffs this year when they were swept by Montreal, right? Yeah. But when he was, I, I think he scored a huge goal in the first round against Edmonton. I'm just, I'm trying to. My God, go he has 12 points season. in 31 playoff games. Yeah, he's been atrocious. Ooh, if he was in Toronto, they'd, biggest, they'd trade him, bro. That's his biggest heel right there. But they made it past the first round, which is a little bit more than what the Leafs can say. Um, and he was good in that first round. However, in the second round, I think he kind of disappeared. I, I, th uh, I think he was hurt. And again, a, so did. Yeah, he did miss he, two I, games. He, he did miss two games, yeah. But three points in six games with a dash five, I mean, 
you know, still hasn't proven it there. But I agree. It's a very good value contract. But at the time, it was like, okay, that's it's very fair. Uh, this year, almost a point a game. Like, I do agree with you, Jason. I think he has been shoring up his overall game as well. Hopefully, he starts to get more minutes because, it's like, 16.55 a game seems low for Nikolai Ehlers. But it's a good, it's good value. I mean, yeah, fair. I like it kind of thing. Yeah. That's my reaction. No, no, not crazy about it, though, Angel. Me and you. Just, okay. okay. It's like, uh, like it's, yeah. It's a layup. It's a good contract. <laughs> can we, yeah. can we call it a layup? Is sure. that a contract? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have another layup. Uh, so my, what are we calling it? Least valuable, not so valuable, whatever we want to call it. Um, yep. This one's going to be a little fun for the least fans. It's Nikita Zaitsev. Um, and Ottawa fans will try to convince you otherwise, saying that that contract is still like not bad, but it's just isn't good. He's still getting paid four and a half million dollars for the next three three years. Um, and he's just a liability kind of all over the ice. His defensive metrics aren't the great, aren't the best. And his, his offensive metrics are just not there at all. He kind of really doesn't do much other than just eat minutes. He's just kind of like a Cody CC type, but he's just not good at eating those minutes. So, um, yeah, Nikita Zaitsev is my over, I, I don't know what to call them. Not valuable contracts, least valuable contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, least valuable contract. Worst contract. Worst yeah, contract. He yeah, sucks. he sucks. Like, and he like sucks. I, the only reason why I bring him up is because I'm hearing like I heard like on Twitter people trying to like bring like oh Zaitsev isn't that bad. He's not that bad. Like no guys, he sucks. He stinks. That guy looks like he plays with two broken wrists <laughs> at all times. What? It makes no sense. One of the dumber decisions of the Babcock era was to play that guy at first power play to juice up his points and then give him a ridiculous contract. Like that yeah. was so stupid, but. Shout out to Andrew Mills. At the time, he was like one of the only guys who was like, this contract is horrendous. A lot of people were like, oh, he's a young player. First year, this could be pretty he good. He got a lot of points. Like, but, I thought so as well. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he did decently. And, but when you look at his overall metrics after his first year, they were pretty good. I mean, I do have like a, a chart comparing Zaitsev first year versus Zaitsev second year, and it's like, it's night and day. Yeah, it's it astounding ugly. how different the player was. And I even feel like that first year going into the playoffs, he got injured with a concussion, right? And then after he came back from the concussion in the playoffs, it was like he had no idea where he was. And then I think it was the next year he started off pretty decently, got injured again. And then after the injury, it was like there on out. It was like Nikita Zaitsev has forgotten how to play hockey. <laughs> like, Yeah, I really think, though, a lot of it was guided by the power play. I think the power play was good that year. He put up a lot of points. Yeah, and that, that like, even per, I don't even know if if we go back and look, if we would say if we just watched this five on five, probably saw some signs of the decline that was to come. I think a lot of it was from the power play. But I agree. It's a terrible contract. 12 power play points with 23 even strength points that year. Mm-hmm. All right. That was pretty good, Jason. Hit. It's a good one. Like Joe, you want to go next? Sure. So my, in terms of my best value contract, I have a thousand spreadsheets up and I don't know which one to pick from, <laughs> but I'm going to go with a Leafs player. I'm definitely going to go with Jack Campbell. Oh, that's really one of mine. Ah, nice. I mean, one six, five for your one, a one B type goaltender. Are you kidding me? Have you seen what one's? what 1A, 1B goaltenders are going for right now. Actually, in Leafs land, we just paid for one. We paid 3.8 8 
for Peter Mrazek to be the 1A, 1B type of guy. And right now, Jack Campbell, for the past two seasons with the Leafs, has been on... Like has been a cap hit of $1.65 million, and he just put up a 922 save percentage and was solid for the Leafs in the playoffs as well. The health obviously has been a bit of a concern over the, this last year, but I'm more than confident in Jack Campbell in this upcoming season here. And when you have a goaltender and you're paying him that little and you have that level of confidence in it, it's just such a home run, right? Curious to see what he gets after this season. I'm guessing it's going to be in the... High threes, four kind yeah. of range with a little bit of term. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Uh, I, I think that's a, a great, great contract you picked there. Uh, I kind of forgot about goalies, so. Um, but uh, oh, I got some goalies on good, here. Good, good. <laughs> oh, do I, have I, some I don't know why I didn't here. include goalies. I was just, I. Uh, anyways, um, it's because I, I don't even know how to evaluate goalies. They're so tough. But you're right. That that is an absolute steal of contract, considering like Laurent Brossard just got signed to a two and a half, two point two five, I think, million dollar deal as a backup over two years. Over two years as yeah. a backup, and we we like we were able to get him for so cheap. Like what a steal that even contract. Even Braden Holpe signed one year, two mil. Yeah. yeah, like and he's coming off of a horrendous season two, two, no, mm-hmm. two horrendous he, seasons. No, it's been like four. Yeah, it's been like four <laughs> seasons in a row yeah. of him being bad. But because he's, I think he won a Vesna, but he won a Stanley Cup as well. It's all just the name they're paying for. And I mean, when you're, you have to pay $2 million for a name and you have Jack Campbell for one six five. I'll take that all day. Great yeah. pick, Joe. Uh, Great pick. I put on social media a lot of like, what's the best value contract on the Leafs? I'll get to that at the end of the episode after we've gone through all of ours. In terms of the worst contract in the league, there's so many to pick from. There's so many defensemen to pick from. I'm not going to go with one that uh, that happened this year, but I'm going to go with Drew Doughty. The guy loves to pick on the Leafs and loves to say stupid things about the Leafs, so I'm going to pick on him. That is the worst contract in the league. What is that? Eight years, $10 million per, and the second pen hit paper, or I think it's the second the pen hit the paper on him, it's been awful. It looks like this guy has aged like milk in the Arizona desert. I don't know what's going on there, but the body has just apparent. I think the body has just fallen off. The, the LA Kings have not helped him in terms of their supporting cast there. So it'll be curious to see what they can do this year with younger guys getting more minutes, younger guys developing kind of thing. But he's just been very bad. Since that contract's been signed, I think it's a lot. I think it's fair to say, like, the last three years, he's just kind of coasted on the ice. Absolutely. The team hasn't been good and he's not really done much. So I I wonder if that's maybe the reason why LA has sped up this rebuild because they got two big contracts on the books still. And maybe they want to, they think they still have a window. Kopitar's been okay, no? Yeah, yeah. Kopitar's been okay. I'm just saying, though, like, when you're paying that two two guys over 20 million, like, you can't really rebuild for that long unless you trade them, right? And I think those guys were even kind of nudging the front office to say like let's go like let's speed this up mm-hmm. so who knows maybe Dowdy will take a step forward but yeah the last three years he is essentially coasted yeah indeed yeah. and that's why he's my worst contract yeah, still I mean, kind of an obvious one there's so many defensemen to pick from when you're just going through it yeah. and uh there's so many to pick from on San Jose too he's, I on, know. he's only on go year on, Josh sorry go ahead Joe no uh Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say he's only on year three of eight, which is so weird to me, at least, because it feels like this contract has been signed for so long. I think it was because he signed it the year before his uh, his previous deal expired. But it's, it is. Yeah. It's crazy. He's, he's uh, another six years of, of this guy is going to be it's going to be interesting for Anyways, 
Uh, okay. I like that. Pick. Do you, I, I, I want to start with my worst one. Is that all right? Yeah. I mean, Dave, cl- plug your ears. Matt Murray. <laughs> Here's why. Matt Murray at 6.25 when they signed that last year was a bad deal the second they signed it. Even just comparing to other goalies in the league, like he got more than a lot. Like he got more than Robin Leonard. He got more than Jacob Markstrom. Like guys coming off legitimate good seasons. And he was coming off an 899 save percentage. And even like after that cup run they had, he kind of has been the trajectory wise going downhill. And I get Ottawa has cap space. They wanted a goalie to kind of make sure they're not getting caved in every night, but he got caved in almost every night. Like he was bad this year. I get the team in front of him. Also, also the thing to note with Matt Murray is that every other goaltender that played for Ottawa, except for Marcus Hogberg, who just lost his freaking mind, it seemed like, <laughs> and sucked this year. Other than Marcus Hogberg, every other goalie for Ottawa outplayed him. Joey Decord outplayed him. Phil Gustafson outplayed him. Um, and then the guy that they got from Winnipeg on waivers outplayed him as well. So the reason that they lost so many games this year was their goaltending was atrocious. And, I mean, look who started the majority of the games to them. Like, Matt Murray. How did he become the sixth highest paid goalie in the league? Like what Off of what pedigree there? That's what I don't get. It's like... It's the only way to get him to Ottawa. That's part of it. But they traded for him, didn't they? Yeah, but after you trade for him, they had to sign him right away. And it was like, you do have to give him a little bit more. But like even then, a little bit more, five versus six. Like, is he worth five? But he was also an RFA. I don't really, I just don't, I don't, maybe they thought that was a value deal, but there's no way to think that was a value deal. Like you sign him for more than Connor Hellebuck. I, I just didn't make sense to me at the time. And it doesn't make sense now. It's like, even if Ottawa comes out of this rebuild, let's say next year, and looks like they have a contending team, are they comfortable with Matt Murray in net? Unless he makes a major stride this year. And even if he does, they might not be comfortable with him in net. So that's my pick, Matt Murray. I like it. Awful. Good he's pick. awful. <laughs> and I, I, think think, Dave, I think Dave also thinks he's awful as well. Yeah, okay. he is so, awful. Yeah. I'm going to keep the theme of like more recent contracts. I'm going to go with a guy who probably prior to this year when this contract was signed, people maybe thought, wow, this is a little pricey. You know, you're signing for $2.75 million for four years total. That's Chandler Stevenson of the Vegas Golden Knights. You may say, oh, he's not a real top center. He's just, That's like, a good one. He's just lofted into that role. But we saw what happened when he was not in the lineup. It, it was ugly. He is a legitimate good player. And... If you go back and look at his half season with Vegas when he was traded from Washington, he was good in that half season too. He had 22 points in 41 games, played primarily defensive-based minutes, put up good metrics offensively and defensively, shot driving. And he put up points too, like you said, 22 points in 41 games. I think a 2.75, as a third-line center, that would be a a value. Even if he was just their third-line center. That's why it was just, looking back, maybe you think, I haven't heard much of this guy. He was kind of really on the fourth line most of the time with Washington. Why is Vegas giving him term at 2.75? And just a great forward-thinking contract by Kelly McCrimmon there. Like, he was terrific this year. He was really good. He was he was not necessarily a 1C, but he I think he can play 2C all day, all night, on almost any yeah. team in the league. And, and what a the good... The interesting thing with him is he brings a physical attribute. Absolutely. His skating is very good, and it really complements that top line. Oh, yeah. And he was out. And when he came back, he was still injured. Like, you really saw the difference there. I want to quickly add about Drew Doughty. He has not scored a 5-on-5 goal since October 12, 2019. And in his last three seasons, has one 5-on-5 goal. 
Wow. That's not good. Wow. Not at all. How's he been defending, though? Guest appearance. Um, I don't think well is uh, very well. <laughs> no, just also. because what he Guest said. appearance by my dog in this podcast. All good. Dallas gonna... can fire it up. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I like I like Chandler Stevenson a lot. I think, again, he's not necessarily a 1C, but he also – it's not easy to play on top minutes. They can't just put any player between Stone no. and Pacioretty. Like, people say that. Like, I'm sure it's not the toughest job, but – Especially, you know, you got Pacioretty who likes to shoot a lot. Stone is like a grinder. He, Stevenson yeah, also speed. can grind. He's got speed. a bit of speed. Yeah. And he, you know what? I think he's honestly shown to fit perfect between those guys. So yeah. I like the player and I like the contract. What what a good find that was for McCrimmon. On, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I think they got him for a fifth round pick from Washington because he, yeah. he was their fourth line center. Because he had 11, he had 11 points the season before. Yeah. What a, what a good find. Yeah. He's a great player. I've uh, I had him in fantasy for two years. He's a stud. He's good. I loved watching him. It's been enjoy. It's it's been enjoyable to watch him. And uh, like you guys said, you can't. You just can't stick anyone there. And like we saw in the playoffs, you just you need someone who can play with them. And Chandler Stevenson can play with them. And you're getting supreme value from him for another three years. He's at two seven five. He's yeah. great. In terms Love of it. dollars per point for the top one hundred, you know, for players in the top one hundred for points. He, uh, in terms of cap hit per point, he is fourth. In wow! Last year, yo, way to fire me up with that stat. I didn't, I didn't even seventy-eight thousand five hundred and seventy-one point four three. What a guy! Thanks, so, Joe. Pat, yeah. pat me on the back there. I love it. All right, go, Jason. You took my pick. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. Um, so my next pick, I'm gonna go with a. Um, so we're we're going with the most valuable contract and um for me um this is going to be a little bit of a a deeper one i think it's may- maybe might be a little unfair because he's still it's a an rfa deal but i'm going to go with eric cernak of the tampa bay lightning he signed for another two years at only 2.95 million so just a hair under three and uh he is like the a top elite shutdown defenseman in the nhl he's rated in, in the top 95th percentile for even strength defense um, he doesn't play a, a ton of minutes. He plays like just like he plays uh second line minutes for defense, but still he's, he does very well in those minutes and he can penalty kill. He's kind of the perfect shutdown D. And the reason why I picked him as uh, for being extremely valuable is because I don't think it's possible to get a defenseman like him for under $4 million. The only, like if you're looking at the contracts that have been signed this off season with the, the kind of mid tier defensive, defensive defensemen, seeing them get like four, three at like three million dollars for third line guys this is an absolute steal of a deal for tampa bay um yeah he looked great in the playoffs he's he has two cup runs under his belt like what more can you want for a young defenseman he's still only 24 years old so eric cernak is my, my only criticism is it's a bridge deal kind of thing that's right? true what, yeah that's not to come next and also it's tampa bay i don't know what the hell <laughs> they're paying all their players in bitcoin under the table or something like that the fact that they got some of the deals that they did is Silly, but uh, yeah, I agree. Great value, yeah. steady defenseman. Two nine five. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, agreed. Again, I think it's, I think it's a it's a pretty obvious bridge deal. Like he's gonna get paid a lot after this, but he was also Should. people yeah. thought he was gonna get offer sheeted last summer, and they nothing came of it. it seemed like a good guy to do it, but <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how any of these Tampa Bay prospects or none of them are getting offer sheeted. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's like almost guaranteed you can get him without giving a first round pick. Yeah. Like the guys this year, I get they're not like studs, but like throw a two five number and they can't match it for some of these guys. So 
I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, and, and also, like, what's Tampa Bay going to be able to do in return? Like, they can't offer shit your players like Carolina did. No, like, they, they, don't have, they don't have the cap space for it. Or maybe they do. Who they knows? Don't even have the, they don't even have the picks for it yeah. this whole time yeah. either. Like, so. But, all right, I like that. Uh, and then my uh, least valuable is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with um, Mark Edward Vlasic of the San Jose Sharks. Mark Edward Vlasic is getting paid $7 million over the next five years, and he's, only, he's at the ripe age of 34 years old. Oh, my goodness, is that contract is just, just going to get worse and worse by the day. He's, uh, it's one of those kind of legacy contracts that he got for his time in San, San Jose when he was like the way he played before his contract. He's kind of getting paid for that instead of what he's actually going to be worth. And it's part of the reason why San Jose is, is in such a big hole right now and is kind of kind of going to be in, in limbo for the next couple of years without not being able to contend and kind of not like they're going to be able to tank, but it's going to, it's they're They're not going to be able to get anything uh, paying all It'll those have to tank with those, those contracts, yeah. those contracts have term to them. Yeah, they, they take up a significant portion of the salary cap. We already saw they had to buy out Martin Jones. That costed them an arm and a leg. Like it's, it's tough there. I mean, Mark Edward Vlasic was a very, very good defensive defenseman. It seemed like a natural fit between him and Eric Carlson. You got the offensive guy, the defensive guys recreate that Mark Mathot combination that he had, but both have just aged like, I don't even know. I've already used the milk analogy, but they, they've aged like a smoker, like a chain smoker. Like it's, it's crazy there. There's so much money. But I agree. Not a good contract there. But I, wasn't Velasic re-signed before they got Carlson? Like I, the, the thing is that contract was, was. was like never going to be good. I think most people are like, wow, he's already 31 and you're giving him that yeah. term. Like, wow, that's... 31 defensive defensemen, and, too. And you know what? He was really good when they signed him still. Like, coming yeah. off those... Olympian, those, those deep cup. Yeah, those cup, the cup run, the deep playoff runs. He was really good. And it's just the legs go so quick for some of these defensemen. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's rough, but... The injuries. Yeah. The shot block. It's like the the, the Dowdy yeah. thing, Jason said. It's, it's like a legacy contract. You're getting paid for what you did rather mm-hmm. than what you're going to do for me in the future. So, agree. Exactly. Good pick. All right, Joe, let's hear it. All right, so I'm trying to run the numbers as quick as I can on this guy right now. This guy's an absolute stat monkey right now. He's a number cruncher. I love it. Okay, I'm happy with it. I'm going with John Klingberg. I mean, just this contract, he has played far and above. Dallas, I mean, after his first year, 40 points in 65 games, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it was around there. They gave him the term. They gave him decent money, too, for... Five. I should have that right. It's four two five, I believe. Four two five. Four two five. Four two five for seven years, and that's one of those contracts where it's like you see a lot of fans clamoring to give the young players that contract right away, just so that you know if they play up to the fans' expectations, it's going to be a money contract. And I mean, that's not always the reality, though. Like some of these guys don't just shoot up. It's not always a straight trajectory, but. With John Carl's, I mean, John Klingberg, my bad, I believe it's been a straight trajectory for him. I mean, he's a big reason that they made it to the Stanley Cup finals there. He's so, he's shored up his defensive game as well, I Absolutely. would say. I mean, just an absolute minutes muncher. And, like, look at these numbers. Since his rookie season, 58, 49, 67, 45, and 64, and then 32, and 58, and 36, and 53. Like, just an 
a monster. And he's getting paid four two five. What's Cody CC's cap hit oh right now? Oh my god, three seven five, I think. Three seven five for four. Okay, I thought he was around. He was around there. I think Tyson Berry is making more money than him though, and Tyson Berry doesn't have near the defensive game that John Klingberg or the has, offensive right? play driving game. Like I get, he gets a lot of play power driving play game cookies, at five on five. You're Klingberg's correct. an You're absolute correct. play driver at five on five. So. Imagine Klingberg just being having to dump it off to Connor McDavid would be all nasty. day. Joe, Put you know why? You know why I like this deal? Because as you said, he's he was signed right away, four point two five, and that takes some you take some cojones off a rookie year, mostly oh, offensive yeah. defenseman. I'd say through the duration of his contract, he's averaged out to be at least a seven seven and a half million dollar defenseman. So you're you're getting almost double the value on that contract. And as you said, he was good in the playoffs with them too, really good, and he's greatly improved his defensive game over the years. He's played 23 minutes a game over those, over that contract. Like that's, that's a great deal to have a guy locked in for that long. The sad part is they're going to maybe have to let him go after this year, which will yeah, be interesting. Get like eight, yeah, he for sure. Fetch like eight or nine. Well, at least and he, I remember, I remember before the world cup, I think that was the 16, 17 season. So before, uh, so it was the beginning of that season. I actually got the, talk to a player on that team i'm like how come john carlson klingberg i mean sorry john klingberg <laughs> the k's are killing me here how come klingberg carlson hasn't made team sweden for for um the world cup i don't think he was on that roster and they said like sweden likes safer players he's kind of a time bomb in his own end but we all saw that cup run i'm not calling him a time no bomb he was really good all. he's so steady like as Jason said, a minute like Zeit says a minute minutes eater. People love minutes eaters, but it's like okay, like if you're not if you're contributing against your own team out there in minutes eating positions, you're you're sack of shit. Like what are you doing out there? Klingberg eats minutes and he's just so money out there, it's insane. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. And was I correct? Did he not make the World Cup team? No, he did not. Yes. Out of memory. What a memory. Memory but of a fish. Playoff production is there too. Nine points in thirteen games in eighteen nineteen, and then twenty one in twenty six in nineteen twenty. Yeah. So, yeah, he's gonna fetch. Yeah, like we say, he's gonna fetch a pretty penny in uh, free agency, especially for a team that needs a QB on the power play. Uh, you're saying sw- okay. <laughs> I see what Jason's saying. We're gonna what? move on though. We're not gonna get into that. What? I know what you're saying. <laughs> All right, Joe. Let's hear your Anyways. bad contract. Jason's already My thinking worst. Klingberg Morgan Riley swap. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> That that doesn't make sense because both are up at the end of the yeah. year. That's what he's but, saying. He's saying like at the end of the year, instead of signing Riley, they sign Klingberg. I've no, seen so know. many where it's like, yeah, let's trade Riley for this guy to a, a rebuilding team or whatever. But it's like, why would they want him? <laughs> yeah, like, know. yeah, we're just going to take on a 50-point offensive defenseman in the last year of his contract that's not going to re-sign with us for for what? To help out the Leafs, obviously, because everyone wants to help us out to and help make sure that we do everyone well. Everyone wants to help us. That's a good point there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, in terms of a bad contract, uh, I don't have that on my list right now. But just off the top of the dome, I'm going to say uh, Seth Jones. There it is. That was a layup. Kind of it was. It really was. I have some honorable ah. Here are all my honorable mentions. Anyway, Seth Jones, why I don't like him. Nine two five. But what was it? Seven years, eight years there? Like his per he's on the decline. There were NHL GMs that expressed to Elliot Friedman. Oh, nine and a half, not nine two five. So even better. 
But there were NHL general managers that expressed to Elliot Friedman that they were concerned about Seth Jones's downwards trajectory so far over the past couple of years. So they stayed away from him in terms of giving up a lot to get him. Not only did Chicago get, give up a lot to get him, they then signed him and banked on him for the next eight years at a $9.5 million cap hit, in which the cap is not going up that much over the next couple of years kind of thing. So that's just going to kill you right there. His numbers aren't quite there. The, the stats community thinks he's absolute garbage because, you know, partly in due to him playing huge minutes on a pretty shitty team. But, I mean, when you're giving 9-5 to a guy, I hope your numbers are at least decent on a really shitty team playing 25 minutes a game, right? When you look at his comparables, like his numbers versus them, it's one of these kids is not like the other kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in Chicago, but that number is grotesque. Here's huge. Here's one thing I will say about that argument where, oh, he was on a bad team. That's why his numbers are bad. Like the stats community also really likes Zach Wierenski, yeah. who also played massive minutes on that yeah. team, who put up good numbers. They so, have played together. So like, I don't know how like that makes that goes into it. Like I agree, I will, he's I not say, as like when you're in terms of eye tests, when you're watching him, like he's big, he does kind of skate well, but like you really have to look into the intricacies of what happens in the play when he is out there. Right? Right. I agree. And even like his numbers just aren't that good. Like, yeah, like he, in terms of his offensive numbers, his best years, it's 57 points, which he achieved once, but he's gotten over 40 points three times, like nine and a half million dollars for that compared to Dougie Hamilton, who just got nine. Like, it's night and day. Here, do you do you have Seth Jones stats pulled up in front of you, Joe? I got a question for you. I've got his like just games played goals. Yeah, yeah. That, even just off that, can you find any season of his career where he's been a nine point five million dollar player in the NHL? No. So what? How did he get that number? That's what I don't understand. For someone who's no supposedly idea. declining, like I, I just I think after the seventeen eighteen year when he was almost a Norris Trophy finalist, people thought, okay, he's gonna ascend to that level. But yeah, he is only because declined he was since then. At the time. He's only declined since then, and who knows what happened again? That Columbus team's really weird. Hopefully, in Chicago, he'll be better. But he's not going to be a nine point five million dollar defenseman in Chicago. He's just not. No, I think in Chicago's got to hope he's like a six million dollar defenseman. Pray he's a six million dollar yeah. defenseman. Six, holy hell! In comparison, nine, Roman Yossi is making nine point zero five nine. And you can probably look at five years in his career where he's been like a maybe a ten million dollar <laughs> defenseman. Honestly, so yeah, that's Roman Yossi had thirty three points this year, and uh, Seth Jones had twenty eight. But Roman Yossi played eight less games. He, I also believe he led his Nashville. team in scoring. That's he insane did. as a defenseman. As a defenseman. defenseman, that's crazy. Playing less Sir, games, that's yeah. crazy. So. Playing less games. I mean, that was a layup, Joe. No one's going to argue that. Uh, we we kind of all avoided it to go with more creative picks, yeah. but I, I would have picked it next if you didn't take it there. Sorry. So no, I, I, I he has Sorry to be mentioned. So he, he has to be mentioned. There's a couple guys who need right. to be mentioned, but I'm going to keep avoiding those guys. I'm going to. I have an interesting one for you guys, okay? And this may come back to me. He may absolutely crater this year, but I want to give credit to a contract when it was signed. It was thought of as being, you know, this guy's washed. Why are you giving him money? I'm talking about Christopher Tanev for the Calgary Flames. Chris Tanev. Uh, it was considered expensive, I remember. Absolutely. And, and he was on the decline too. But go on. He, you know, the thing about Chris Tanev is, right, he's a pure 
defensive defenseman. There's no doubt about that. So when you're looking at a free agent, he's a little older. He's in. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's 31. You know, do you want to give him like a lot of money? But he's only making four and a half for three more years. And this year, I think you could argue that he was the best defensive defenseman in the NHL. I've said this on the podcast before. So I think we got to give credit to the GM there for showing a little bit of gumption and signing him. Also, what a loss that's been for Vancouver. Really, what what a terrible loss. They have really struggled to replace him. As shown by they completely revamped their D this year. I'm not I, I took a little different approach with this one because I don't think he's one of the best contracts in the NHL. But how often do you look at a UFA signed over 30 and say, you know what? That looks like a pretty good deal for three more years. Even on his downside, just, if he's just a defensive stopper, like he's pretty good. Now there's two defensemen on the Leafs who I look similar to this deal, but I don't want to talk about more Leafs. So I went with Chris Tanev. I just want to give credit to, you know, a guy who's yeah. outplayed what people thought he would do. So it's interesting to see actually Calgary lost TJ Broden and replaced him with Chris Tanev and like both of those players were so good this Very year. But good. when you look at the numbers, it was really interesting. Like Chris Tanev's numbers were just so much better than all Calgary defensemen's this year in terms of his expected goals and such. But what really interested me was when he was playing with Noah Hannafin, their numbers were so much better than every single yeah. other pairing on the Calgary Flames. It was insane. And then apart from one another, they weren't very good, which was really, really weird. But, but that's easy. They just play them together. Yeah, they were, and they were awesome. Yeah, they were and, really, really. Good. And they're going to lean on those guys hard this year for sure. For so, sure. especially since Anderson oh, hasn't really turned out to yeah. be the guy they want. So I just I went with an interesting one there. I don't know what you guys think, but yeah. No, I like that great defensive defenseman. I mean, can be thrown on any team and just fit in solidly. Like he's just he's just that he's solid. Yeah, he's <laughs> and four and a half million dollars is not bad. And it was a bit of a surprise. I got to agree. Like that's one where you're like, ooh, like defensive defenseman declining a little bit like how's this one going to play out and uh, in a better environment calgary compared to vancouver he was so much better yeah agreed and i was a great lettuce too spectacular (laughs) lettuce and i'm gonna tie him hand in hand with my worst contract can you guess who i'm gonna say then if you if you are following the tea leaves of what i'm talking about is his brother no oh what about tyler myers ah for the Vancouver Canucks. When yeah. that contract was signed, $6 million over five years, again, I don't think anyone thought that was a good deal. No. And it has proved to absolutely not be a good deal. Yes. Especially this year when Tyler Myers was thrusted into whose minutes? Tanos. And it was not good this year. Him and Quinn Hughes together were an absolute disaster when they played when they played together this year. So I really hope he gets better. I think Tyler Myers is almost like a Tyson Berry-ish empty point defenseman, and that's how he's got his contracts. Like he's a big guy who's a decent skater. He's not overly physical. He's really not. He's ne- he's had over a hundred hits only twice in his I don't know how long his thirteen year career. He had a great rookie year, no doubt in Buffalo. That was by far the best year of his career. He was okay in Winnipeg. I think he was better than people thought, but that that had to do with more sheltered minutes, right? Like he was only playing, I think 19 minutes in Winnipeg, barely 20 minutes. It was ugly in Vancouver this year for him. It's just, it's another big defenseman that just got paid through the wazoo for whatever. And And I mean, the fact that his career high in points came in his rookie year is kind of funny. (laughs) And they really leaned on him at even him and Hughes at even strength this year together. And they were just 
who was back. It, it's almost stalled the Quinn Hughes development where you were looking at him as, in the same vein as uh, Kale McCarr and Shea Theodore and Miro Heiskanen after his first year. And now it's like they're afraid to give him a contract. They don't know what he is. Yeah. So. I mean, he he hasn't had it easy. His like Quinn Hughes gets to play with one of Tyler Myers, Travis Hamanick, Tucker Pullman, or Luke Shen next year. Oh my! God. He's gonna have a lot they, of fun. Is that their whole? That's their whole court? right. Those oh all their right tees. God, that's really bad. Yeah. So what about Oliver Ekman Larson? He's a lefty. I'm yeah. I'm saying like partner. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. He sucks too. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> he could be on this list. So Oliver Ekman Larson, Tyler Myers, and Travis Hamanick are their top three paid defensemen. That's insane. That's crazy to me. Yeah, so that that was my pick. I like that pick. That's a good pick. I was looking at Tyler Myers. He is, and he has a no trade clause, modified no trade clause too, which is three more years left too. Yeah, not good. Yeah. So brutal. Did you do but, your best as well? Yeah, I said Chris Tanev. Go ahead. Okay, Jason. So, now so it's last on round. To me, yes. It's, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> you didn't have it queued up. No, I have it queued up. You can do worst first. No, no, I have my I have my best now. So. My best and worst. Uh, so my best right now, we're going to start off with the best, is um, most undervalued contract is Mackenzie Weger. Yeah, that's a good one. This was, I feel like, another layup, and I picked a lot of D because uh, this this landscape for free agency was just showing us a lot of like what a, what a valuable D can do for a team. Um, Mackenzie Weger, again, had his coming out party this year. He played fantastic. Um when Aaron Eckblad went down, he kind of stepped up, took that role, and and was their number one was Florida's number one D all year, and he really helped them get to the playoffs and and kind of advance to the next level of as a team. So they're gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch him and Eckblad when they both when when Ekblad comes back. I wonder if he's still gonna get those top minutes. Probably split them with Ekblad. Did they play together though? I think they probably played they together, but yeah. they did. Um, They'll play together and make a yeah. super pairing. Like yeah. that'll be a strength of Florida. Yeah, and I, I've seen some people on Twitter say that hot take Mackenzie Weger better than Aaron Ekblad. But, anyways, he, he he's only getting paid three million dollars over yeah. the next two years, that's and that's that's a steal. Three, you're getting a number three two five for two more years. Yeah, and you're getting a number essentially a, a number one pairing D for three point two five over the next two years. That's an absolute steal. Absolute steal. Yeah. So. The funny thing with him is there's a lot of rumors about the Leafs trading for him last year, and everyone was like, trade for Uyghur and give him $6 million. And It's like, okay, well, at that point, he wasn't a $6 million player yet. And I think if Florida gave him $6 million, then I, I, we would look at this as like a fair deal yes. still. Yes. But giving him at 3.25, when people were like hyping him on Twitter as like a, this next big thing, and which kind of makes you skeptical, and he showed it this year, absolutely. Yeah. As you said, when Ekblad went down, he was an, a monster. I will say, though, I don't think he's better than Aaron Ekblad personally, but yeah, I think, again, underrated is how many goals a defenseman can score. Like Ekblad scores like 15 in an 82-game season. But Uyghur's really good. Yeah. 3.25. That's, again, I look at floor. Again, a dark a dark horse for Team Canada. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to steal Jason's words because it might be what I'm about to say. No, no, I'll go. Like, imagine they didn't have Sergei Bobrovsky. <laughs> like, yeah. look at all these value deals they've had. Been- like, even last year, like, they could have – when they had Duclair and Verhage and like on really low deals, they've paid those guys now. Still not bad contracts, but man, that's an albatross. I know that was your yeah, worst. You stole contract. my worst. I was going to make it the same team. Best yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, Joe, anything else on Uyghur? Uyghur? No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I thought that one was like a bridge. There was only, it was only a one year deal kind of thing, but two more years at three, two, five. Wow, they Florida hit a home run on that one. Yeah. That's a great value deal. Really helps to make up for 
I guess your pick, Bob. There. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was, I was gonna like tie it around and say Florida also has the worst. And anyways, yeah. So my worst contract is Sergey Bobrovsky. Goddamn, ten million dollars for the next one, two, three, four, five seasons. This is like this is the difference between uh, a Florida team being a contender for the cup and being the favorite for the cup. I think honestly. That $10 million is a lot of money that could have been spent elsewhere. And you could have saved a lot of money on your goalies. You had the goal. It's not like, it's not like one of those thought experiments where it's like, Oh, okay. You get rid of this $10 million player. Who are you going to sign? They had guys who they were going to sign. They just couldn't because they're paying Sergey Bobrovsky $10 million. So it's, it's tough because you can't even hate Bill Zito. It's not his fault. He inherited that contract, but he it's just, it's, it's put them in such a tough bind. And it's honestly good for them for being able to navigate through this. Uh, essentially at a using only 12% of the cap or 12%. I, I think if cap. Bill Zito had been the GM in the time that Dale Talon was the GM in Florida, they probably either make a cup final or have a cup by now. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. when you look at the talent they had coming through the roster, like, and the amount of weird moves they made, uh, the expansion draft, for example, under Dale, Dale Talon's reign in Florida, it will not be looked back fondly upon. It really will not. So, yeah, they, they made a bunch of weird moves. They like, made some. Like, they fired their whole analytics staff, and everyone thought that was a good thing, and it was absolutely not a good thing. Yeah. Shocker. They traded. Oh, they also traded Jared McCann and Nick Bugstad for Derek Broussard, and I guess some picks. But weird. no, it was a second and two fourths yeah. as well, and then they flipped Derek Broussard right away ah, for okay. a third. I think it was. So. Yeah, they had a good not team. A bad like, team. Good. what what is there to be said about Bobrovsky though? Like, like it's. Hopefully he comes through for them. Yeah, honestly. it's just honestly, I think any goalie getting Maybe, paid ten million dollars is just, yeah, hasn't been working yeah. too too well. It's just tough. Well, it's also like on a scale. Like, why does he get ten when like all these guys are getting six? Even mm-hmm. like Hellebuck's getting six, yeah. or like it was just Bennington off a cup gets like four and a half. Even Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky gets is in nine five or nine five. Sorry, like okay, but that's t- that's the Tampa tax. But yeah, like it just it was a. A massive jump in in numbers for a goalie who's already his peaks were always really good, but very up and down. Mm-hmm. His career has been very, very up and down. So rough contract, and he's getting on the wrong. He's on the wrong side of thirty two. So yeah. not good. Yeah. Good one. Not good at all. Who's up next? I can, I you lost, are. I lost count. I'm up next. So in terms of a best value, there's a lot of Leafs ones to get to here. I'm going to get to them afterwards. I'm going to go very, very off the board here. I love that. I don't know if you guys are going to love this one. How about say not, say the contract, see if we can guess the player. A little fun exercise here. Save the contract. Say the contract. Oh, uh, save, save the contract. So his deal was it had to change because the league minimum increased. But last year, he he was it was a two-year deal. I believe it was 700K per. And, la- and last year was a two-way deal. Wow, that's a great. I, I don't know. That's that. I didn't know you were going that deep. Go ahead, Joe. Colin Black. Colin Blackwell. Oh, wow. In terms of points, in terms of salary cap dollars per point, he led the NHL this year. Like just a honey badger player. The the Rangers fans loved him this year, and again, he was so cheap that he had to get a pay bump due to the NHL minimum contract having to go up. 
Like, and last year was a two-way player. Wow. A two, it was on a two-way contract. I feel like this year with Seattle, he's going to get a bit of more responsibility there, a little bit more chance to showcase his play. It's obviously not the big home run like what Car- Connor Garland was last year kind of thing, but it's like sneaky. Seattle's paying this guy absolutely peanuts, and he could be a decent player for them. Interesting. Right? I like, I like where you went with this. I like that. Way off the board, right? Oh, that's a um, that's a clever pick. I love. It. I honestly had zero idea how much money. I thought he was like a one to two million dollar player, and wow, like no. he's he's a steal. He's a league minimum player. Yeah, he he doesn't play like one. Twelve goals. Oh, yeah. It's almost he's basically, he's essentially a twenty goal scorer with the his numbers last year. If you put it out to eighty two games, like that's crazy. That's crazy value for uh, that, that uh, New York got there. Exactly. Exactly. So it'll be fun to see what he can do. At 7.50 this year with Seattle, too. So, we'll see. Um, funny enough, I was writing down some layups here. Um, I have eight layups. One of them you just said, Jason and Bobrovsky. But funny enough, one, two, three, four, five of these players are now on the Coyotes. So <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Let's just do the entire Coyotes. <laughs> the entire Coyotes, but... Yeah, Lucic Roussel. Or no, sorry, fuck. You Lucic still you still got a pick though here, eh? You got a you could pick yeah, one. Who are you picking? Yeah, Lucic isn't on. He's on Calgary still. So yeah. I'll go with Milan Lucic. Um, just an overpayment, right? One a, a guy who before his contract, I love to watch play. Like obviously not the best skater, but put up points. Was really really tough out there. Had the biggest shoulder pads in the lead. I mean, not afraid to drop the gloves as well. But since he signed that big ticket. Oh, good. Like a 50-point season with Edmonton, okay. Was expected more out of him playing with McDavid and such. But after that, 34 points, 20 points, 20 and 68, and then 23 and 56 this year. It seemed like he played better this year, but like 23 points in 56 games for a guy that's making his cap hit currently for Calgary's 525, but it's being retained. It's total $7 million. Like that's just... That's a tough contract. I almost forgot how much he was getting paid. And when you look at other guys that are making that amount of money, it was, I believe it was a $50 million contract. But when you look at other guys making around that amount of money here, I'm tr- and he just lost, I just lost him here. But Nugent Hopkins is a guy who made, uh, he made $42 million on this contract. Yeah. And I think Nugent Hopkins got around that 43, 44, something like that. So that's a, uh, that's kind of the territory of money that Lucic is. The tough thing about Lucic is like at the time of him signing the contract was like a prime time of the NHL going from like a much more physical style to like way more skilled. Like yeah. way like when yeah. Matthews and McDavid and those guys came in the league, it was like a huge skill bump, and that unfortunately coincided to when Edmonton picked them up, and it was a disaster from the start. Really, I think his first year he was pretty good, but other than that, it's been a disaster. Yeah wasn't bad, but it wasn't quite up to what people expected, I don't think. Right? That's a good one, Joe. I agree. Yeah, that's a very good one. I like it. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my worst one first here. I got an interesting name. I was shocked when he got this ticket by Columbus. It's Boone Jenner. Interesting. So if you just look at Boone Jenner's numbers, for how much he plays, it makes no sense that he's been making 375 for the last four years. And they extended him on top of that an additional four years at 3.75 again. So until he's got five years left at 3.75, he's a 29-year-old player. 
He's really never produced any offense whatsoever. They perceive him to be a strong defensive player. The metrics say otherwise. Um, and even, you know, the eye test says otherwise. He's a physical player, no doubt. But you're basically playing a, paying a fourth liner $4 million for eight years in total here. And I just don't get it. He had one huge bump year where he had 30 goals. Pure, like, I don't know what happened there. Shooting percentage bump a bit. But since then, he's essentially been like a 20, 30-point guy. And he plays a lot, too. Like, look at his minutes. He played 18 minutes each of the last two years, so 24 and 17 points. Like, And this is not Philip Deneau, right? This is a guy who really doesn't drive play well either way. He's kind of just along for the ride there playing center, and they paid him a lot of money to do so. Yeah, he's a great number one C if you want to finish in last place. Oh, come on. He's a great <laughs> – um, no, honestly, I've never really been a fan of uh, Boone. Boone Jenner. Um, my friends love him for some reason. I can never figure out why, but yeah, he's just not, he just, he just is getting paid way too much for what he brings to the table. Like he's, he's just, what is he? Like you, you put it perfectly. He's a fourth line player. Essentially. Physical. He's physical, physical big, center. maybe character guy. Like, I, I don't know, but yeah, he's like, for example, he's not Nick Felino. Like no. we criticize Nick Felino cause he didn't bring offense, but he brought defense. Boone Jenner doesn't really bring either. So, <laughs> That is kind of funny. I didn't. I, I totally forgot. In terms of that year that he scored thirty, the shooting percentage bump wasn't that crazy. It was thirteen percent. So, I have no idea what happened. Still, an, still a massive outlier year though. Like, like maybe he has like an okay finishing time, but still, he's not. That he, doesn't. He's in. Like, yeah, it's not even that good. No, the next year he was like eighteen goals. Right? Like, I don't know. I don't know what the heck happened that season, but that's a. And again, he's an aging, not a great skater, physical. It sounds like Lucic all over again, right? So, all right, guys, I saved this one for last. The best contract, that my last best contract, you don't know who I'm going to say. I'm the flag bearer for this guy on this podcast now. Shea Theodore of the Vegas Golden Knights. This guy, and I'm, I'm saying it again, he is a top five defenseman in the NHL. And they got him for 5-2 for four more years. That was a great contract to sign immediately. Getting him out of the expansion draft, that first year you could see. He was an elite talent. And my God, has he played well since then. Like he's a, he's a, Whenever he's up, he's a $10 million defenseman. 100%. 100%. So having him at $5.2 million for four more years is a great Contract for Vegas right in the middle of that. I think they still got another good five years of a cup window here with that team. So it's just a great contract. And he's a great player. Offensive dynamo. Better defensively than you guys make him out to be in that Olympics episode. (laughs) I'm still salty about that, by the way. But he is an absolute stud. He's on a great deal. And he's locked up. It was a long term. It wasn't a bridge. 5.2 for seven years. It's a great contract. Shea Theodore. So, I like that. Well, in terms of cap, in terms of cap hit num- dollars per point, I think he's. I just counted up. He's fifth uh, for defensemen within the top one hundred for points. So, Joe, why am I why am right I there. taking all your analytic darling guys that from your stats? I, am I just well, reading no, your mind? I mean, guess who was number four? Who? Morgan Riley. John. Oh. John. Ah, oh, okay. I like that. I like that. So yeah, there you go. I, I got Shea Theodore, and I'm gonna keep. Pounding the table for Shea Theater on this podcast. I'm going to make that a trend. So, no, solid. I mean, 525 for a guy that puts up big offensive numbers like that. I mean, no, that's just a really good. good defenseman. He's good. He's very good. Two way, not offensive. Two way. All right. Thank you. All right. <laughs> good pick. All right. 
Any honorable Love mentions? Should we just go through um, with Leafs players? Because we didn't. <laughs> yeah, so I got a bunch of submissions here from people. Uh, I'm going to go to Twitter first. Can I say what the number one so, Leafs player is that I don't know if people would say? Undervalued this? or overvalued? Undervalued. Cool. Jason Spezza? Cool. Easy. Yeah. Jason Spezza, right? Like, that's so, like, yeah, I, I said excluding Jason okay, okay, Spezza okay. on Twitter. So I got a few muzzins. There's a burner account that replies to all of, a lot of my stuff, but like it's not my burner account. They sometimes say like rude stuff, <laughs> but they said muzzin. Um, obviously, I mean, five and a half, five to five, I think it was five million dollar player that, I mean, elevates the play of all the defensemen he plays with there. So, so solid. Absolutely. Um, Marv Matthews said, got to be Jack starting goalie under $2 million is crazy value. Netfront Nylander said, Muzzin. I mean, all very respectable. And then Stefan Schroeder said, Muzzin, Brody, Nylander, Anderson, if they'd give him a chance, and then Bunting. So that's a lot of players right there. I like Bunting. And Sean Wegener said, Jack Campbell as well. Nice. Um, I mean, I think everyone kind of nailed that one. Yep. Any overvalued? In terms of... Or you, you only asked for undervalued. Yeah, I didn't say over. David Kampf, there we go. Uh, okay. so yeah, David Kampf. David Kampf. <laughs> Wins uh, make him. us eat words. <laughs> so in terms of Instagram, uh, we got a lot hole. That's, oh, that's a good one. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah. Twitter hates Justin Hall. Yeah. Twitter so does hate Justin sense. Hall. That's a good one. Spezza, because I didn't specify no saying Spezza. William Nylander, Nylander easily. Nylander is a good one, Nick too. Guida He's kind of the same Nick thing Guida as Guida said Morgan Riley. That's an interesting <laughs> one. Yeah, Nick Guida saying Morgan Riley. I mean, it's fair. When oh, you yeah, on his that, current yeah. number, yeah. He, he, makes, he makes only five, and he's been a, a five. top five-point-producing five. defenseman. And at one point, he put up 72 points. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So another Nylander, Andrew Kilson, Nylander, Campbell. Couple holes, TJ Brody, I like that. I mean, Spezza. Spezza yeah, so a lot of the similar guys. But how about how about just Austin yeah. Matthews as being a, a undervalued deal? Like that's. What do you guys think? Fair value or undervalue? Overvalued? Yeah. No. Good. Good value. Yeah. The Leafs don't have don't have bad, bad contracts. individual contracts. They may have a bad process on how they were signed, but no one here is like, wow, this guy's got to go. So, it's good. Yeah. Also, Morgan Riley. I mean, like his points per dollar is or dollars per points is very, very good. Where's Where's William Nylander's dollars per points? Because if you just looked at his regular season numbers, is there a year here where he's a great value off his regular season numbers? Not the seven. Um, I would say last year has been pretty good. This year was pretty good as well. Uh, I think this year was close-ish to what Marner was, to be honest. Yeah. At points per dollar, but like Nylander, so. What I have it at is points per dollar, but it doesn't take into account games played, right? So Nylander missed five games. Marner, um, he, sorry, Nylander played five less games than Nylander. Uh, Nylander played yep. five less games than Marner. Right. So that's why their number though is like three thousand dollars off. Oh, okay. Overall, right? So I feel like they're very, very comparable. So at contract, quite dollar. interesting. Yes, at contract dollar. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but then. But Mar- Nylander showed up in the playoffs, Marner didn't really. So I think people are still a little bit of a recency bias. But like when you ter- when you look at regular season, like I don't think anyone outside of Nylander Toronto thinks William point. Nylander is a contract value. That's my point. Like I don't think anyone thinks it's that. It's decent. It's not. Bad. I think up until like seven games ago, they thought he was overpaid. Which is just I'm just throwing it out there. No, I never thought he was overpaid. I thought that was a good deal to sign. But I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Like 
It's interesting. Six nine six for for what? Do you, I mean, it, 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 it's solid. It's it's good value. It's not like terrific right. kind of value. I, it's I not say, like right? if Ehlers makes a full mill less signed at the same time. Like it's pretty similar level of player, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'd have him a hair under but, Ehlers. Too, that's so. why I think the best value is Jason Spezza on the yeah. list. Like by far, and I think number two would be Jake Muzzin, considering it was a UFA deal, which is massive. You need. Yeah. I I tried to put a little bit of emphasis sure. on adding some UFA guys here, right? Like Chris Tanev, but go cap friendly. Look at all active players sort by UFA contracts. Most of them are bad. Yeah, and Jake Muzzin's is good, so that's how we're listing it. Like I, I think that that speaks for itself. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, NHL, figure yeah. it out. Stop making old guys and worse. Then so as much. we said, yeah, Jack Campbell is. Oh, well. Jack Campbell. Sorry, of, Joe. I forgot. Jack yeah, Campbell's. Jack great. Campbell as well. Yeah. A lot of us, I mean, echoed the sent. I think a lot of people echoed a very similar sent- sentiment. I didn't quite see. I saw a couple of Michael Buntings, which is, I mean, exciting. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> hopefully. 950. It's potential to be a huge value steal there, but 950 for two years, too. So, but. We'll see. He's got to play a full NHL season first. Some some of the guys also we we didn't mention like Jeff Skinner's terrible, Matthew yeah. Shane's terrible, like a lot of those out there that are like obvious. I think yeah, yeah. like the big the big three Arizona on San Jose, like yeah, yeah, Arizona's guys like Joe said, Carlson, yeah, like Johansson, Duchesne, Lad, Louis Erickson. yeah, those ones we didn't mention. Yeah. Yeah. Goes I think we tried to more like keep it like in the middle of guys who are like still playing, yeah, but clearly are overvalued, yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly, solid, exactly. Oh, uh, an honorable mention for value. I want to say Brian Rust, three and a half million dollars, put up some very very good numbers this year, and even last last year he was over a point per game, three and a half million dollars. And then my other one. You guys have any other? Yeah, I was gonna say mentions? Nick Bonino. I, without even seeing him play this year, I think at two million is an yeah. absolute steal. Yeah, very fair, very fair. Any others before I I take my last one? Go for it. David Perron, four million dollars. Yeah. Point a game player. That's a good one. Can't go wrong with that. Pretty much right. everyone I said for my uh, underrated team, I think, is would be a steal at their contract yeah, yeah. as well. Uh, come on, the bread eater. Two point four for him. For who? Manjapan. Oh yeah, my <laughs> Manjapan is pretty good. Yeah, I mean it's a restricted free. Jason took yeah. too many bridge also. deals. He cheated. No, I took. <laughs> no, I cheated. I just kidding. No, the, I feel like the the weaker one doesn't really count as a bridge deal, but yeah, yeah, no, it was good because it's like they were no, going to trade was, him. They were like yeah. took up some UFA deals. Yeah, yeah, that was a right? legit one. Yeah, that was a good one. But I think we've covered everything. It was a great episode. Yeah. We mentioned some names you probably wouldn't have thought of. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boot Jenner. I didn't even. I, Completely forgot. He still about plays that in one. the NHL. Boone Jenner. Yes. Yeah, he's still in the NHL. New four-year extension. Holy smokes, Yarmo! What are you doing? All right, good stuff. Um, good stuff, guys. Um, we'll see you next week. Finally, we got some hawk actual hockey next week. Woo. Camps open, so excited to dig into that. But anyways, thank you everyone for listening. Please rate the show, subscribe, follow whatever. Go Leafs, go.